as we come to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 28. You see the title there. The invitation, authority, and news of who? Keith Mitchell, right? No. Jesus. Remember last week we started the book of Mark, and Mark started very, very powerful. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And remember, you expect the beginning to be the birth, and what happens? Mark takes us to the Old Testament prophets and says, there's going to be a preparation for the way. There's going to be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. God Himself is coming. And John the Baptist arrives. He's preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people are flocking to Him because they want to be baptized. And remember, John doesn't baptize them if they don't say, I'm a sinner. Jesus comes to John and says, hey, can you baptize me? And John baptizes Jesus. Mark doesn't give us anything, but Jesus goes into the water. Coming out of the water, He saw heaven. The Spirit comes on Jesus. And what does the Spirit do? Drives Him out to the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. And then he's, he's with the wild animals and the angels attended him. And then John's put in prison and what happens? Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The good news belongs to who? God. Not us. Belongs to God. It has authority. Jesus says the time has come. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? Jesus Himself. He doesn't explicitly tell that here, but He's saying, believe the good news. And what happens in Mark, the beginning, remember the good news about Jesus. So we're reading it today. And the good news is Jesus. And now we see Jesus going to begin His ministry. He's going to be walking, 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 and more walking. Do you ever just walk, walk, walk with, without a destination in mind? You know, Jesus is walking a lot. And they find places to rest, sleep, encourage each other, get some food, and then what do they do the next day? They get up and do it again. We're going to see that throughout the Mark Gospel. He's on the move. And I want to remind you, when we come to God's Word, I always ask this question, are you excited when you come to God's Word? When I read God's Word and study it in my office, there's always something new to me. I've read it for so long, I'm like, whoa, that was in there? Where'd that come from? Who put that phrase in there? And then I opened a book today, and one thing I want to remind you of, if you've lost your imagination, recover it. Okay? Find it. Imagination is good. Mike Cosper writes this, about bringing Scripture to life. He says, I think much of our hunger for spectacle and hype comes from a lack of imagination. To find ourselves captivated by the Christian life and captivated by the Scriptures requires an active mind and an engaged imagination. It's the imagination that brings this world to life. When you come to God's Word, sometimes you have to have an imagination. You have to say, I need to get into this story. 
I need to put myself in a character say, if I was there, what would I see? What would I hear? What would I smell? Today you're going to get some things that you might want to imagine in your mind what's happening. Because it's very powerful. So let's start. Mark chapter 1. Verses 16 through 28. Remember, this is after Jesus goes into Galilee. He's proclaiming the good news. Repent and believe the good news. And then he begins walking. Here we go. Verse 16 through 20 to begin. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You see Jesus walking. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is a major fishing port in this time. Okay, It was interesting to look up the Sea of Galilee. There's 19 native kinds of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And they're catching fish. Josephus in this time wrote, said that over 230 fishing boats worked the sea in Jesus' day. 230 boats in the fishing business. The main fish was tilapia. Anybody like tilapia? That was the main fish in the Sea of Galilee. It's called St. Peter's fish as well. Fish was very important in the diet of Israel at the time. Most fishing was done at night. So the fish would not see the net and swim around it. So fishing was done at night so they can catch a lot of fish. Do you ever not catch a lot of fish, Denny? Do you ever go out and not catch fish and you're upset? Go at night, okay? (laughs) Fish with a net. But fishing is important in a diet of Israelites here, okay? That was just kind of interesting to look up. But Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee, okay? And he spots Simon and his brother Andrew. You know in the Greek it says the brother Andrew, the brother of Simon. So Simon's name is mentioned twice in the same sentence. I thought that was kind of interesting too. Simon's an important character in the book of Mark. You'll understand that. His name is mentioned more than any other gospel. And the reason might be that Mark was interpreting what Peter experienced in the life of Jesus. Just kind of interesting to know these different points about writers, who they got their information from. And we know that the Holy Spirit was working, but Mark wrote down Peter's witness. Justin Martyr in 150 said Mark was the memoirs of Peter. So if you read Mark, you're like, ah, there's a lot of Peter in there. That's why. He's the first disciple mentioned, and he's the last disciple mentioned in the book of Mark. Also interesting. But Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee. He spots these fishermen casting a net into the lake. You can picture that, right? Andrew and Simon, his brother, they just are like, can you see the net cast? Can you see it in the lake? 
And Jesus says, come follow me. They turn around, maybe, and say, what? Maybe. But then he says, I will send you out to fish for people. And then maybe that perks their ears up like, okay, fish for people. Hmm, I'm a fisherman. And now this person is calling me to follow him and fish for people. Fishermen and fish are the same Greek word, okay? And here's what it means. One who engages in fishing as an occupation or for pleasure. They were fishermen. That's their occupation, their business. They had to catch fish, go sell it, make money to live. Correct? And now Jesus says, hey, follow me. I'm going to train you. I'm going to encourage you to fish for people. And what do they do? They left their nets and followed Jesus. He did this with John too and James. He went a little further. He called them. I think he did the same thing. He doesn't say it, but I think he said, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fish for people instead of fishing for fish. And James and John, what do they do? It's even more drastic than Andrew and Simon. James and John, without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. They must have been wealthy because they had hired people to help them in their boat. And they left their father. One writer said that would be disrespectful in that day if you just left your father at the business. Wow. Andrew and Simon leave, go follow Jesus. A little farther, James and John, they left their father in the boat and the hired people and followed Jesus. What a drastic thing. The invitation is there. Come follow me. Writer Emerson Powery said, Rabbis rarely selected their own students. You would have to say, I want to be under that rabbi. I'm going to apply like we do college today. You apply. They'd have to say, I want to study under that, send in their kind of application, and then the rabbi would look them over and say, I want these people because they're qualified to study under me. But what does Jesus do? Does he say, Simon, Andrew, James, John, give me your qualifications. What do you have? Write them down. I'll look them over and say, eh, you're decent. I'll take you. Or you're no good. I don't want you. There's no qualifications. He goes out to where they're at and says, follow me. One thing I like, I, I, I think, no, I, I, I'm going to say I believe. He started with fishermen because of what he called them to do. I'm going to make you fish for people. You know what casting a net is like. You know how to catch fish in the nighttime. You catch them with a net. You cast it out and hope they come. Fish for people, what are they going to do? 
Jesus is teaching, repent and believe the good news. What do these fishermen, Andrew, Simon, James, and John going to do? They're going to cast out the good news. Every Sunday I try to cast out the good news to you all. Whether I catch you or not, I'm casting the good news to you. And if you find that net and you somehow get trapped, I want to say, and you're pulled in, and you're like, I believe that gospel. But what happens if I never cast out the good news? Nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's going to be caught in that. So we need to cast out the good news. The invitation is for all of us to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not... I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm going to fish for people. Their souls are at stake. And Jesus understands that. And says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Isn't that remarkable? It's hard to understand. Just imagine you're at your business and Jesus says, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. Now, I don't think it's saying I've got to leave my business and go fish for people. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But one writer quickly encouraged me, don't tell people to leave their business to go fish for people. You can fish for people at your business, maybe, right? You can make an impact wherever you're at. But the invitation is there. Come follow me. Vincent Taylor, a writer, said this, On to follow is frequently used in the Gospels to describe attachment to the person of Jesus, personal surrender to his summons, and acceptance of his leadership. So Andrew, Simon, James, and John are saying, Hey, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to travel with you. And you are my teacher. You're my leader. That's what follow Jesus means. It's not your own agenda. It's what Jesus wants you to do. And Jesus says, you're not going to fish right now for those fish. You're going to come fish for people with me as your teacher. And they left and went. Verse 21, let's pick it up. And this is going to be the authority of Jesus. So you got the invitation, okay? Verse 21, they went to Capernaum. Capernaum is the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, hometown of Peter and Andrew and James and John maybe as well. But this is, you know what Capernaum means? The village of comfort. I thought that was very helpful maybe in this even scenario. They went to the village of comfort. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So where does Jesus go? He goes to the synagogue, the meeting place, where they pray, where they open up the scriptures and expound on them, and somebody teaches and preaches from it. And Jesus gets to teach. In this time period, it was kind of interesting to look this up and research it. Traveling rabbis, which Jesus is called a rabbi teacher, traveling rabbis could enter a synagogue and if the leadership says, hey, that's a traveling rabbi, they get to teach today. Isn't that kind of interesting? 
Jesus, a traveling rabbi. You're going to see a lot in Mark. He's traveling, going back and forth to different places. And he gets to speak in the synagogue. It just says he began to teach. We don't know what he taught in the book of Mark. And remember last week, I said we're just sticking to the book of Mark because it's powerful. And 22 said the people were amazed at his teaching. What? Amazed at his teaching? Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. They had teachers. But this Jesus they came in contact with in this particular day, he's speaking with authority, not like those other teachers. And we know where he gets his authority from God, because he is God. He is speaking with authority. One writer said, and I agree with him, he didn't have to quote anybody. I know I quote some people, I know. But Jesus doesn't have to quote anybody because He's the truth. He knows it. He's true. Every teaching was true from Jesus. The word amazed is the Greek word ekplaso. I just like that word, ekplaso. It means to be struck with astonishment. Astonished, amazed. It's used of the glad amazement of the wondering people. So these people are wondering and they're like, wow, this is just, it's blowing my mind. This is good teaching. Jesus, this traveling rabbi, he just comes into the synagogue. Maybe they've never seen him before and they're like, where do you get this kind of teaching? He's, it's unlike the scribes and the teachers in their day. He's different. He has authority that Nobody's going to match. I'm not going to match it. Sunday school teachers, you're not going to match Jesus' authority. But Jesus teaches with authority. And what do we have to do? We're going back to the invitation. Follow Jesus. Follow what He taught. Learn from Jesus. Learn from the rabbi, the greatest rabbi ever. And then go out and speak Jesus' words. And James and John and Andrew and Simon, I just wonder what they were thinking when they're sitting with him in the synagogue saying, okay, Jesus is, is the one. It doesn't say it, but I think that. They're like, we picked a good rabbi to follow. Remember, they were fishermen. That's what they were going to do probably for the rest of their lives because it's their business but they are in the feet of Jesus in this synagogue and they're just listening and they're probably having a good time because the people are amazed. So that's the authority of Jesus. Okay? Let's go on. Verse 23. Now, you've got to imagine. Picture this scene. He's just spoken with authority. People are like, I this is awesome. And then look what happens. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
Be quiet, Jesus sternly said. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Remember, the people were already amazed by Jesus' teaching. And then Jesus, this, this man comes to Jesus, possessed by an impure spirit, and says, What are you doing here, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This impure spirit knows who Jesus truly is. Nobody else does. It doesn't say anybody else understood who Jesus really was. But the impure spirits, one thing I want to note is Jesus from the get-go, remember he's sent out, driven out by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. He overcame it. And then here, more opposition from Satan, the evil one. There's always going to be opposition with Jesus' ministry from the evil one trying to thwart the plans of God. Isn't it true today? Does the evil one try to thwart the plan of God? So we have to be on guard. And Jesus, what happens here? The Spirit comes and says, what do you want with us? You have no business with us. We're not compatible. What are you doing here? This is our land, okay? This is our property. This is our realm, Something interesting I read from a commentary of Revelation, which is totally different than Mark, I know. But the writer said this. Mark E. Moore said this. The spiritual forces behind the physical veil are very much real, and we deal with them daily. If only we could see them, we might take more seriously the battle we are in. He also said before that, I didn't bring it in, but he said, if you looked around the church, you probably could see like uh, some evil spirits over there trying to get somebody, um, some good angels over here working with somebody over here. If you could see the, the, the uh, spiritual realm, there's probably a bunch of stuff in here. You've got to imagine. Because we battle not against flesh and blood. My wife always points this out but against the spiritual forces, against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you could look around, if the physical veil was, you could see the spiritual realm, we probably would be seeing a lot. As a kid, you've probably seen the movie, and there's several, but Angels in the uh, Outfield, anybody see that movie? I'm a sports guy, so I always watch sports movies. As a kid, angels in the outfield, and some kid could see angels helping the players. Not saying that angels will do that today, but maybe. But it was interesting. You see, the, if the physical veil's left, you could see the spiritual realm probably working. Evil side and the good side. You've got to imagine, because this impure spirit 
is talking through a person. And what does Jesus do? I want to point this out too. They say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We just sang holy, 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 right? Remember what holy means? There's no sin. There's no hint of sin in you. The Holy One of God. The impure spirit knows who it is. But what does Jesus do? He says, be quiet. Do you ever yell, be quiet to somebody? I think this was even more powerful, be quiet. I'm not going to try it right now, but be quiet, Jesus sternly says. Come out of him. He has authority, going back to authority, he has authority over evil's forces. He cast it out. And the impure spirit shook the man violently, came out of him with a shriek, and the people were amazed. Don't know where the impure spirit went, but he's out of the man. Jesus is powerful. He even has authority over impure spirits. And then the people are amazed again. Is this a new teaching? What are you doing? You're just cast this impure spirit out of this man in front of our eyes. And then they're amazed. And what happens? What happens at the very end of this section? What happens? The news about Jesus spread slowly. Spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. What happens when news about a famous person spreads? What happens? People flock, right? If you knew somebody famous that you admire, whether it's a writer, a songwriter, a singer, whoever, an athlete, or whoever, if, it, if the news came out and said, this person is coming to Vestaberg Library, what would you do? At this time, this particular, what are you going to do? Take off work and go, right? To see your, admire, your famous person that you admire. I would. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take an hour off my break out of the office and go see this famous person. Because who comes to Vesterberg, Michigan? <laughs> Not them, but they're here now. I'm going. People flock to hear what is going on, right? News spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee about Jesus. And if you're going to, we're going to go through it, the book of Mark, there's a lot of people that come to Jesus and also Jesus goes to them. News spreads quickly. It's a powerful thing. I don't know what it would look like if a lot of good things were happening here at Ferris and all the people are like, what is happening at that little church? And they just start flocking. I hope it's because we're speaking Jesus. I hope that we're praying for people. I hope that we're studying the Bible well and encouraging each other and that's why people are coming. But we can't just keep it in these walls, right? We've got to go out and spread the news of Jesus. When you're studying scripture as a minister, one minister friend of mine said, I got down a rabbit hole and I preached five sermons in one this week. But it brought me to 
1 John. If you want to turn there, you can. 1 John, this is why Jesus, one of the reasons why He came. 1 John chapter 3, or starting in verse chapter 2, verse 28, and I'm going to highlight one verse here. But John writes this, he is writing to the church and he encourages them, but he says this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, he starts off, And now, dear children, continue in Jesus, so that when He appears we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. He's talking about the you know, children of God, the righteous people, and, and talking about sin as well. But then you go to verse, let's start in verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, came, appeared, was to destroy the devil's work. Do you see that in Mark? Did you see it in Mark? Last week he gets tempted by Satan and what happens? He defeated Satan. He said, I'm not going to follow you. It doesn't say it in Mark, but he, he wasn't tempted. and he, he was tempted, but he didn't sin. And then he walks by the Sea of Galilee. He invites people with him to say, let's fish for people. Souls are at stake and he has authority in the teaching that he taught in the synagogues and people are astonished. They say, ooh, we want to flock to you. And he has authority and power over the impure spirit. And the news spread quickly. So you have an invitation. You have the authority of Jesus and you have the news of Jesus spreading. And I hope it's spreading even today. Okay? I want to end with this. Two people wrote this verse, verse 24, very powerfully. It says, Rob Lacey wrote this, Leave us alone, says the impure spirit. Don't snuff us out. They call you Jesus from Nazareth, but I know who you really are, God's sacred liberator. He came to save us from evil. Eugene Peterson in the message writes this, What business do you have here with us, Jesus? Nazarene, I know what you're up to. You're the Holy One of God and you've come to destroy us. Have you come to destroy us? They know their fate. They know what's coming. They're like, Jesus, you're going to destroy us? We're done. And you're going to see a lot of opposition in Jesus' ministry. Even the next week we're going to look at many people were healed, many demons were cast out. There's always constant opposition from spiritual forces. But Jesus has an invitation, He has authority, and His news is spreading quickly. So what do you need to do today? Do you need to make a decision about Jesus saying I believe you Jesus I want to call I want to follow your teaching repent and believe the good news Jesus came defeated sin 
We remembered it today. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Tony was up here presenting the meditation and talking about Jesus and then the, the, the elements were being passed and I looked down at Beatrice and Beatrice says, what's the blood again? Or what's the juice again? And I said, the blood of Jesus. He died for us. See, the communion time is powerful. A two-year-old is learning why we do it every week. I look at her. She looks at me. Why do we do this again? What's the blood? Or what's the juice? What's the bread? It's Jesus. As I was taking my elements, I looked down at her again, and she's like, "Jesus died for us." Last week, I told you, I texted my, my parents' minister, Steve Baker. I said, preach the word today. I remember you said, let's go, baby, we're doing it. 1.30 comes around, he texts me again, and he's like, we had a surprise baptism today. And I was like, yes. Remember, us ministers cast the net of the good news. I don't know where you're at spiritually. I want to be like I know it, but I don't know for sure. Some of you may be like, ah, I'm scared of water right now. The first step is repentance. Remember, John didn't baptize without repentance. If you need to repent of your sins, do it today. If you need to follow Jesus in baptism, do that today. If you need prayer, do that today. I'll pray with you up here. If you want to join this church, you could do that today. We'd love to have you because we're family. Remember, the Christian life doesn't stop, start and stop in the water. It's a lifetime. That's your invitation today. I'm going to say what Jesus said. Repent and believe the good news. I remember what John said. There's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray today. God, I thank you so much for the Gospel of Mark and how Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and said, follow me, fishermen. Let's fish for people. There are souls around us that need to be saved by Jesus. We cast out the good news, Jesus. We, we cast it out, God, but it's up to people to say, I need that. So I ask that you would do a work even in this place or online or even in the world today in churches that are meeting right now, I pray that people will say, I want to believe the good news of Jesus and repent and be baptized and live a life that's new. Thank you for Jesus, His invitation, 
His authority and the news about Jesus, it's being spread quickly. Help us today to continue to grow and learn more about who Jesus is and more about Jesus and what He wants us to do in this life. To cast out the good news of the gospel of Jesus. It's in His wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Please stand.